I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to another Curzon Film Podcast. This week we open up the pod bay doors to Damien Chazelle's Neil Armstrong biopic First Man. Sitting in Mission Control you've got me, Jake Cunningham. And in the lunar podule we've also got Commander Kelly Powell. Hello. Captain Sam Howlett. Morning. And a special guest too. After Dave Corkery was the first, the second man from the Wirestrip Podcast <laughs> with Kobe and Dave, Kobe Ominaka's here as well. Thank you very much. I don't get like a, a ranking, like Commander and Lieutenant. What am I? Oh, what was uh, commander, captain? Mm. What's, be- what's better than those? I mean, it's definitely better than you two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> admiral? Uh, Is admiral. that a thing? I'll take admiral. Yeah, that's yeah. a good. That's I don't fine. think you could, admiral's naval. You wouldn't be space navy. It's a ship, though. Space isn't navy, it? Yeah. If it's Trump gets ship. his way, that's going to happen. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, yeah. Sincere apologies for that intro, everyone. Um, <laughs> That's right. the best one. <laughs> yeah, well done. You, you brought it back. <laughs> so, yes, uh, we're talking about First Man. Uh, this week, sadly, we've got no one to talk to about it other than ourselves. But really, that's the best company we could ask for. Um, it's directed by Damien Chazelle, who infamously didn't win Best Picture for his film La La Land, but did win Best Director. And that's not the only film he's made. He made Guy and Madeline on a park bench. That was his mumblecore black and white musical. Then he made a little film called Whiplash, then La La Land, and here we are with First Man, and that's all in the space of nine years. Kobe, can I ask you, how are you feeling about Damien Chazelle? Um, Excited, yeah, generally. And if someone said to me after La La Land, after Whiplash, that he's going to be making a film set in space, I would have not believed you (laughs) at all. And I'm surprised there's no jazz in this. Um, but his his phenomenal talent, and there's, I'm just excited about his him and Justin Hurwitz as well. Those two as a combination, I think, are fantastic. And yeah, it's both really... both 33 years old. It's <laughs> crazy. I think I might be the oldest in this room. <laughs> I'm like 38, and anyone who's younger than me making excellent films and excellent stuff, I'm just making insanely, four of them. Insanely <laughs> jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but he didn't make Citizen Kane when he was 23. So really, he's just a chump. Like, what, a sli- what a slacker. Yeah. yeah. Lazy Giselle. Get it together. Right. So this is uh, this is First Man. Uh, on the heels of their six-time Academy Award-winning smash La La Land, Oscar-winning director Damien Chazelle and star Ryan Gosling uh, re-team. It's for the riveting story of NASA's mission to land a man on the moon, focusing on Neil Armstrong from the years of 61 to 69. A visceral first-person account based on the book by James R. Hansen. 
The film explores the sacrifices and the cost on Armstrong and on the nation of one of the most dangerous missions in history. We mentioned already, Damien's just coming off of the back of La La Land. Mm-hmm. Um, this had already begun mm. development. Um, what, what were your first thoughts when this got announced, Sam? Um, I thought it was a really good choice, actually, because I was one of the I was one of La, felt like I was one of La La Land's biggest defenders because I felt that that became a film after <laughs> oh, I like, went through the whole horrible after a cycle. few after a few yeah. months that became a film after it was like <clears throat> uh, released at film festivals and everyone loved it that suddenly became a film that people had to defend mm. um, and I was one of the people that defended it uh, I think it's a really great film and I think that yeah when this was announced that he was reteaming with Ryan Gosling. Um, I thought it was a really great choice from all fronts, and I think it's absolutely lived up to that, especially coming off La La Land, coming off the Oscar win, and coming off all the weird controversy around that Oscar win, I think to get right back into making a film Mm. and making such a confident film as well. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. so it's important for him to just quickly roll into exactly, something else yeah. to, rather than get pinned down as he's the guy that does the music films. He's the guy that mm. lost to Moonlight. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. Do you think that will hold him back though ever? I just I didn't think that was no. really an issue. No, I don't. I, th- I think it's just for a while that's kind of what he was. That was the narrative. That, that was yeah, sort of the narrative and yeah, I d- yeah it, it was just a, it was a weird people, Oscar I, campaign and yeah. it was a weird time for Damien Chazelle I think. Yeah. But uh, looking, yeah, looking back now he's still the youngest person to win a Best Director award. Mm. Uh, he still made four films in nine years at the age of 33. Yeah. And this is, I think, perhaps his best film. I think yeah. outside of the Oscar thing, I think he was perhaps in danger of being typecast as a jazz musical, jazz, jazz musically based kind of film yeah. director. Yeah. And so that's what completely sideswiped me mm. with this film. So um, whether he's won the Oscar or not for, for, um, for La La Land, I think it's great that he's taking a step in a completely different direction. Yeah, yeah. you get the sense that he really is just starting his career, yeah. you know? Um, and he's such a confident filmmaker, I feel like it's not really, I think in the in the next sort of decade, we will, it, it won't definitely won't be the thing that we know him by, you know? Yeah, I mean, it'd almost be nice to see him have a swing and a miss at something, just to make sure. <laughs> like, so we know he's, he's human. He is yeah, human, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. He does bleed. Yeah. <laughs> right, um, so something that I find really interesting thinking about La La Land and thinking about this film is that in a way, First Man feels like a smaller film yeah. in terms mm. of scale. Yeah. Um, it got me thinking about the story that it's trying to tell. And for me, uh, I'm, I'm a big, enormous space nerd. Um, and I think landing on the moon is pretty much the biggest news that's ever happened. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and he approaches a story that is so iconic and enormous with a, a, a much smaller scale. Um, so let's let's explore that, that route that Chazelle takes. Is it surface level or is it a bit meteor? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God, that's going to be happening the whole time, isn't it? <laughs> oh. Okay, well, I'll <laughs> answer that seriously. Please, someone else answer that one. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny. I, I was thinking the same thing, you know, what? This film isn't s- smaller on the scale of like technical ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one is probably the, the the most technically difficult film he's made to date. But it was an intimate film in many ways. You know, in the way that it's shot, um, the music, the storyline, uh, the subjectivity, um, and I think that he's done such a good job of making us believe. You know, Ryan Gosling is Neil Armstrong. I did. I kind of <laughs> forgot. 
um, as big a, as big a star as Ryan Gosling is, I be, I was I was in it. I was mm, totally. Yeah. He he did. Ryan Gosling was great in this. I think as well. Mm. His performance super was super understated, um, and subtle and restrained. Um, and you know, we kind of forget with his stardom nowadays is that he's actually a bloody good actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and I, yeah, I think I, I just really enjoyed the way that he 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 made us feel it's that we were. A very internalized performance. A very as well. internalized. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think that's a lot of the film. Uh, it's yeah. A, it's a whole lot of men who don't really know how to communicate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who are then uh, <laughs> confronted the with like unimaginable awe and wonder, and they just can't process it. Really. Yeah. But so let's let's delve into the Neil Armstrong as a character, because mm. um, I think we so often think of Neil Armstrong as the person on who or the guy on the moon, but not really a person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what that the film is trying to get into. Uh, so to set it up, uh, Neil Armstrong he's testing jets and then is selected to become part of the team uh, that would become Apollo. Uh, it's not just Neil Armstrong that we see there. Uh, so we've got. Claire Foy is Janet Sheeran, who's uh, Neil Armstrong's first wife. And then in NASA, you've got Jason Clark as Ed White. So he was one of the original Mercury Seven. So they were, those are the seven guys who first went into space, not to the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Chandler as Deke Slayton, uh, another member of the original Mercury Seven. Corey Stoll as Buzz Aldrin, so the second man on the moon. Uh, Christopher Abbott as David Scott. He's another member of the, the Gemini team. He gets recruited as part of the Gemini team. Yeah. 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 Um, and so there's, there's a lot of these uh, these teams and terminologies and eras that we float through. We yeah. kind of travel with Neil. He's yeah. our guide through and this. And it's is it sort of about eight years? Yeah, film? so um, sorry, that was 61 to 69. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's how long he was in NASA. But basically from... I listened to something this morning, and and Shazal was saying that they they bookended the movie, okay. um, according to when he got into NASA and then when they landed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so we do follow Neil, but uh, I think it's important to have that. It's it's not an ensemble film, but it feels like there's quite a strong supporting cast. Absolutely. Around. Um, and I think that's down to Josh Singer, the writer. Yeah. Uh, his two previous credits, mm. or biggest credits, would be The Post, uh, co-written yeah. with Liz Hanna and Spotlight, mm. which, again, I think are very process-driven ensemble yeah. films. Um, and they're quite mechanical in a way. But as also well. very humanist as well. Yeah. Yeah. They are about big things, but looking at the smaller people within yes. the big thing. Yeah. Um, and this, I think this film does that a lot with, like, there's so many, like, close-ups and not many wide shots, which mm. is weird for a space film. Yeah, um, They sort of reserve the big Earth shots, you know, when they really get into that towards later in the film, because I think a lot of the film, you feel trapped with Neil. Mm. Yeah. Um, on Earth and when he's in the well, shuttles. Well, it does give you that kind of impact as well, you know. Yeah. When it does yeah. finally open up, you kind of, oh, okay, yeah. you have that release that, in the same way that the characters are going through. And that ties in with the music as well, with David mm. Giselle. Because one of my outstanding parts shots and scenes of the film was when it just goes to silence and Mm. i'm not going to let people i'm not going to explain to people what happens at that point but Mm. it's just like it suddenly becomes silent and you're like whoa Mm. and that for me is like still i've got goosebumps thinking about that Mm. but coming up to that point um like i said there's a personal story it starts off with a personal tragedy which follows neil and Mm. family through that and for a space film it is you're inside I don't know what how big it is these these kind of uh, capsules that they're in, mm. but it's tiny, oh, it's yeah. super yeah. tiny. Mm. But at the same time, scale. it's on a big screen, mm. and yeah. and that kind of juxtaposition is is phenomenal. How they put it together mm. and how we shot it, I'd, 
is mind blowing well, to be and honest it, with and you. it opens with one of those yeah. like we are with Neil yeah. in one of the jets as well and from that very first scene you get a sense of how much we are going to be propelled through yeah. this yeah. story yeah you ca- you cannot escape it. <laughs> yeah, no. And everything. So um, the uh, DP Linus Sandgren, the production designer Nathan Crowley, and the sound designer Eileen Lee, they all work together to make everything seem really old and really rickety. Mm. And re- mm. every- everything's kind of creaking. Yes. And, like every every time something is, and there's, there's a joke when someone's like, "Oh, has anyone got a, a Swiss Army knife?" Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Um, so everything feels like homemade and really unsafe. And because I think mm. when you think of the space program, you think of the most high tech technology and mm. everyone's super safe and everything's they're making up as they go well. along. They're making yeah. up as they go along. Everything looks like I'm not getting. I'm, I'm not getting in that at all. Yeah. I'm not getting anywhere near that thing. It's this before watching this, and this is the thing about bio, uh, biopics is that now I want to see a full blown documentary about this. Now I want to understand <laughs> yeah. this. But it's given me that insight which I never had because before this, Neil Armstrong was this fully formed figure who was just oh, he just appeared on the moon. Mm. Mm. Um, but now you're like, why on earth would you want to go to the moon? That's actually insane. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you, you yeah. realize you all feel what they were feeling. Yeah, which is like, you know, getting into this this like welded like, yeah. handmade <laughs> spacecraft that's gonna lead yeah. you through space. Like that's. <laughs> insane that's really insane oh it's cool though. Yeah. it's so cool I love it I love it so much and but the biggest I mean Gravity came out a few years ago which I, yeah. I loved I mm. uh, haven't seen it since on a small screen and mm. I don't think I will um, Apollo 13 those those just don't have the same kind of no. feeling for me um, as this as this portrayed in, which I don't is, think there is personal no this. no and I think that's that's part of the thing, isn't it? Because even though there is this expanse, there's science, there's the space, that personal aspect, both in how it's shot and the story, I think is the thing that really is like drives us forward in, in such a way we can't even... Um, if you said this is a space film, that's underselling it massively. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I think uh, you've mentioned it already, the, the flight scenes and the ground yeah. scenes, I think they are very different um, when they are up in the plane because of that sound design and that production mm. design. Uh, to me, those those felt like that's not just shaky because of it's a Paul Greengrass trying yeah, to give no, us some right. edgy drama. It felt like this is properly the wrestling between man and machine. Yeah, uh, and this is like trying to force ourselves on nature is what's happening yeah. there, and that's what's that resistance we're getting back. Um, and it's it's like a breath of fresh air when they finally drop down to Earth, and it's in a weird kind of slightly fisheye Terence Malick flow to it. Uh, mm. The camera there, it's yeah. very different. Well, I think it's so different from how Whiplash and La La Land look, mm. um, which is why I think this is a really great sort of progression of someone's um, directorial voice. And I think even from the first trailer, it was very clear that this film's going to look really old. It's going to be very grainy. Um, we think he shot... He, uh, Some kind of film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, uh, yeah. And yeah. I think, and that's a really, you know, he's he's made a choice there to make the film look like that. and. Mm he confidently sticks with it all the way through mm. because I think this film could very this kind of film could have very easily been like and no disrespect to this film could have been like Hidden Figures which is a film I really enjoy but it's a very safe film It, it mm. everything's in focus everything looks normal everything mm. you know it's, it's very well acted but it's very expect, it's very yeah. sort of solid everything ticks along just as you expect it to mm. um, and I think in 1995 or something Hidden Figures would have won Best Picture but yes. because film has changed and the way audiences react to film change and the way the Oscars react to films have changed it's interesting that the space films now the Oscar favourite and one of the Oscar favourites is this film that looks like this in such a 
different and interesting and creative way. Mm. He shot it like a... I mean, I think yeah, he 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 kind of saw it in his mind's eye as like a do- he was making a documentary almost. Mm. Yeah. You know, he said that like he wanted that feel of like like he wanted to treat it like documentarians well, would treat. I, I imagine subject, you know? there was a lot of um, watching <coughs> for all, for all mankind. Which oh is the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The eighties uh, mm. documentary with the Brian Eno music mm. and a lot of that is just building an atmosphere of what the space station or sorry um, the research facilities were like and just trying to build that world. Mm. And I think he does a great. Way uh, he does that really well, and something that uh, in in the book, the right stuff, uh, the film which I have not been not seen yet because I'm waiting to see it on the big screen. Something that I get into is the the monotony and the routine mm. that men get into. Um, that there was so much testing, like that, that a medical test could last four hours, mm-hmm. and you, they, they just had to sit there and then come out and then do it again, and that was the day's work. And you do get a sense of the frustration that the men have as well. That these have come, they're just after the war, they're jet pilots, they're so used to mm. constant progression and movement, and they're given this opportunity to, you can do, you can go further than anyone's gone before, but before that, mm. you've got to sit down and play ball, yeah. uh, and deal with and the mess of the politics, uh, yeah. and you've suddenly got to learn about PR, yeah. and how yeah. to present yourself, and Neil is really nicely contrasted to Corey Stoll's Buzz Aldrin mm. in that yeah. way. Buzz. The villain, the villain of the film. Yeah, strange yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one. But, but Buzz really knows how to sell the mission. He's, yeah, yeah. Mm. Buzz Aldrin. He's printed as like kind of loud mouth. Always Nobody says really what he thinks. Him. Nobody <laughs> likes him, but he's really good at like talking to the, the journalists mm. and yeah. the, at the press conferences. He's kind of he's the guy you hate at school. Yeah. Uh, and Buzz. <laughs> but everyone um, else thinks he's funny, but yeah. you don't. But yeah. Neil Armstrong's yeah. like, I don't get why people like this guy. Like, I'm really clever. I'm really <laughs> nice. Why don't you just like me? <laughs> I don't know if Neil but, would be that cynical. I don't think he, no, I don't think he cares though. That's yeah. the thing. He's not the yeah. He's not that. He's just like I'm. Just here to go to the moon. The mission. Oh, yeah. the mission. The mission's yeah. the mission. I don't care what people. Because there, there were some scenes where it was clear that he was so preoccupied by. He was given this mission, and this is what he had to do. And then yeah. everything became super tunnel vision towards that, to the detriment of the, his personal surroundings around him, um, and. Yeah, and the antithesis is Buzz Aldrin. I don't know yeah. if if that's his real character, but I'm sure he'll be. There might be some puff piece in Buzzfeed later on saying, "I'm not like this. Yeah, yeah, really. yeah. I'm like a really yeah. nice guy, honestly." <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, well, I think that's a nice lead into the rest of the supporting cast. I think yeah. Corey yeah. Stoll. Uh, I like Corey Stoll a lot. Do you think he stole the show? Hey, no. good. Oh, good lord! Uh, no, he didn't. No. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Um, no, really in the supporting cast. There's no crater than Kyle Chandler. <laughs> oh, oh my god! What? <laughs> they just they just came up to you, didn't they? Just, yeah, yeah. You've cool. not written these down at all, have you? Um, okay. Kyle Chandler. If you yeah. Like. yeah, I love Kyle Chandler. Yeah. Um, I think I can't think of a film where he's a lead. No. He but he's an he's an incredible supporting cast all yes. the time. For me, he's always like he's that guy. He's yeah, he is so, that yeah. guy. He needs yeah. his he needs his like sideways like Paul Giamatti so he can step out behind yeah. the shadows a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm sure he'll get it one day. Yeah. But uh, he's great in this. He's great in uh, Manchester by the Sea. Mm. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's he's the lead in um, Friday Night Lights. That's his. Yeah. The- that's yeah, TV. Yeah. That's TV. Yeah. Um, that's not as good as that's film. That's not as good as film, <laughs> famously. Stupid old TV. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um, so it doesn't really get into this uh, too much in the film, but I think you can see it in the performance. Uh, so Kyle Chandler plays a guy called Deke Slayton, who I think is a really fascinating mm. guy. Uh, so the Mercury 7, the mm-hmm. first seven guys to actually go into space. Uh, so you had a f- bit of an overlap with the Germany team um, and... Deke was the only one who didn't make it into space. Right. So he had uh, a bit of a heart. Um, what's it called when it's murmur. the heart murmur? Irregular Diff- heartbeat. Yeah. Def- something. Yeah. Ir- irregular heart stuff. Um, and so the six guys went up, and then he had his medical thing, and he said, "We can't risk it." Mm. Uh, and so they made him the uh, the captain of astronauts, basically. <laughs> um, but you're staying on the ground. That's yeah. like that's not like a. A style like a five-year-old would make up. Yeah. Like, what do you want to be when you're older? I want to be the captain of astronauts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, chief of NASA astronaut office. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> cool. um, but I think in that performance, you can see that he's yeah. got so much pride and admiration yeah. for the guys, but always underlining that is this feeling that he never it could got to have go. been me. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't know that was the case. Yeah. So yeah, I can I can see that now. I replay his his performance in yeah. there definitely. And uh, like, he's got so much love for the men. Mm. Um, he really believes in the yeah, mission. Yeah, he does. And, yeah. Um, it's. I think like, I there will be there him. will be a Deke Slayton film down the line. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that can be the Kyle Chandler lead film. Spin off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'll be up um, for that. Um, but I think the the biggest supporting role, um, the one that's got a lot more coverage, even as much as Gosling himself, is Claire Foy. Yeah, and, mm. and she's terrific in this. Yeah. Uh, uh, over the last year, we've seen her come out of the Crown, do Unsane. That's her lead for the first time in a film. Take this, and then we've got a girl with a dragon tattoo in a couple of months yeah. as well. Um, she's uh, really... Not forget breathe as well. Yeah, yeah. breathe. Yeah. 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 Um, but she's been, she was a support. I mean, she was the supporting role in this mm. very much. So obviously, a very difficult task. It's not just a standard family film. Mm. Uh, but I'm looking forward to definitely seeing like what what happens with the girl with the dragon tattoo mm. film, where she is like the you know out and out star yeah. of that of that piece. Yeah, mm. star of a big film. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, and I think I think in this she gets, um, she gets a tough. Mm -hmm. like the doting wife is always a tough one for any actress to do and really come out of it the other side and like being really impressed with that it's hard to it's hard to be um, memorable as that character Mm. because that's such a it's probably the most portrayed character in film that kind of the doting wife the kind of that often feel shoehorned in, and I think she does something. She does something really interesting with it. Yeah, I don't think it's she's just that. Yeah, I don't think it's fair to just label her that. I think she does. She holds so much weight in this film, actually. Mm. Um, and she does such a great job because she is the only female sort of voice in this film. Mm. Um, and she, I think she does such an excellent job of playing... You know, there is an, there's obviously the element of the supporting wife, but, you know, she is sort of in command of the, dom- the domestic space in the way that, like, 
you know, he kind of lets her down in way, in many ways yeah. Uh, yeah. in that space. And I, I think you feel that. You feel that tension. You you get a different side to... I think the reflection of, you know, who he is in that space is is based on her yeah, performance, like, yeah. you know? I mean, some of my favourite shots were just of her in the, in the house, like walking down the corridor, yeah, st- she standing in the such room. A, yeah. She's got yeah. such a yeah, presence. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, always undercutting her performances, I think this anger and frustration... Mm. Um, with a man who just won't talk. Yeah. Who won't yeah. communicate. Us men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean she says at one point like she just wanted a normal life. She yeah. wanted to yeah. marry someone and have children and and she got the, the antithesis of that. Yeah. I think after after the war, um like kind of a military life was like mm. arguably something that like people would have aspired to and would have yeah. felt as being yeah. a comfortable thing yeah. and then suddenly it, like that she has gone into that relationship thinking maybe that's what's going to happen and then the fact that your husband then might turn to you and say actually mm. going on the moon yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> see that thing over there mm. yeah I'm going over there mm. might not come back but uh... <laughs> yeah yeah and there's also we haven't really touched upon it but there is a a tragic event in mm. their yes. their past that I think really I mean, that starts the film. Yeah, Mm. we can tell it is, can't we? Yeah, Yeah, so their daughter dies of a brain tumour and that really shapes Neil more than any other event in the film. It's it's the thing that propels him the most. Yeah, and it's not something that's just forgotten about. It's almost, you can feel, it feels like he's thinking of that in every single shot Mm. and it's always in the back of his eyes and the way he was obsessively focused about trying to save her in the beginning is then mirrored of how obsessively he's trying to solve another yeah, another mission, it's another. Trans- the energy is transferred. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> something that was a really nice surprise for me with this film um, was how quickly it went. Uh, mm. I normally, I'm, mm. so, I'm frustratingly, for my sins, very aware of how long things are right. in the cinema, um, <laughs> and it, I find it tough to just kind of settle down a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are two films in the last year where I've come out of thinking, "God, that was short." Um, or like a lot shorter than I thought yeah uh, and interestingly both Gosling films Blade Runner 2049 oh. and First Man I I said to, we were in the same screening came out of that thinking that felt like an hour, an hour 45 yeah. Hour, yeah. Like mm. it's, it's, a, it's a bit it's, of an it's epic two and a half hours but, yeah. and maybe that's down to what we began the conversation with about this personal aspect of it that it, you're yeah. sort of like something that is presenting itself as a Oscar worthy space film that's two and a half hours long you think of it having this massive scope and that kind of fooled me into thinking it had this um, <laughs> hour 50 runtime. But I think that's down to the pace of it, that it's got mm. a great fantastic yeah, rhythm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're, you're constantly being moved by it. Very thrilling. Oh, completely. I mean, even yeah. though you know what's going to happen, yeah. and you yeah. know the history, Hold you're on, what still happened, like, <laughs> It's probably the one thing that every single person on the planet knows what happens. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's not a spoiler cast. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but that's, I mean, that's one of the things that um, would perhaps have stopped me watching this. Is that yeah? We know what happens. He mm. gets on there, so yeah. Yeah, that's but the end of it's it. Still, it's yeah. It's still he got so... to that film set. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's weird they didn't cast anyone as Stanley Kubrick, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think the one of the reasons it felt yeah that it it made you sort of not forget what happens, but not care that you know what happens is things like the Gemini Eight sequence, mm. uh, which I had no idea mm. what the hell that was about, and it's when he goes in there with. Um, the guy that Christopher Abbott plays. Oh yeah, um, uh, Christopher Abbott, uh, uh, David Scott. Yeah. So when they go up, yeah. and it and uh, it cuts back to um, Claire Foy's character who's listening on the radio. Yes. And it cuts back and forth quite a lot, and it seems to be going well. 
and it doesn't go well and then it's but that's and that that feels like I don't know how long that that sequence lasts for mm. it could be in my head it's anywhere between like 10 minutes and an hour <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but it's so intense and so so cinematic and it, it's really bold that that, that is the, almost the centrepiece of the film yeah. the film about landing on the moon yeah. Yeah. the moon landing is really in a way downplayed compared it's, to it's that so, it's very quiet the moon yeah. landing isn't it it's very yeah. quiet well, and very sort of serene and peaceful mm. and like well, the I music's think... more a bit more, mm. like more the music's more down to earth whereas yeah. here it's like well I think because um the moon landing is almost a closure, mm, you know, yeah. in many ways, as you'll see. But um, that is the the action sequence of the film. Mm. I think that maybe that's why it took center yeah. centerfold. And what's great is when it gets up there, it doesn't kind of rest on its laurels. Mm. No, uh, it knows when the film is finished. Yeah, yeah. Like, which I, oh, exactly. Yeah. The ending yeah. of this film is bizarre, yeah. <laughs> but in a really nice way. It's so uh, it's just quiet. Yeah, and like it's such a it's such a full stop. Mm. And I think it's oh, yeah, indicative yeah. of yeah what he was trying to do with it. You know, yeah, that, but I really it, like it. Thinking, it's beautiful. Yeah. Thinking about it, Damien Chazelle, like he's really he's actually played quite a bit with how to end something. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Mm. Whiplash and La La Land, I think, like, in there. Whiplash is a very abrupt ending, but a in a way, loud. it's set up for ten minutes. Yeah, to yeah, be yeah an abrupt exactly. Ending. Yeah. yeah, and La La Land, you've got that whole uh, dream sequence mm. bit. That's yeah. a good ten minutes. Uh, and then this is an, like some hybrid version of the two. Mm. Like, I think he, yeah, there's something about him that he knows. Yeah, he knows how to end the film properly. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the, obviously that's the thing. If you that leads often leads a discussion after a film is like how yeah. it ends. And if you start with that, um, then that often sets how you you know recommend it to other people. Yeah. Um, it was a it was a mute, very very muted and understated ending. Mm. And I hadn't thought about what they'd have to do when people come back from. Mm. From space, of course. Yeah. You don't know what's what's going on in there. Yeah. So, well, narrative. I just appreciated it so much that this film is almost taking place on two two levels mm. all the time, and he's doing such a great job of intercutting those two stories. You know, the fa- Neil Armstrong, the family man, versus Neil Armstrong, the, a- the astronaut. And I feel like that ending, you, it's just tied up so nice. His whole arc is tied up so nicely that he found his way back to her. You know, mm. almost like. Uh, in the way that the astronauts found their way back to Earth, you know, it's just so. Well, they come back, but they're never the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we might have to wrap it up there. So Gosling, he's certainly first class and not Ryanair. <sighs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. You're happy uh, with that. Yeah. All right. Um, but uh, it's first. First Man is not the only film out this week. Uh, if you do want to stay in and watch something on demand, you can do. Uh, there's a film out uh, this coming Monday on Curzon Home Cinema called The Happy Prince. Uh, it's directed by Rupert Everett and Kelly. You met the man to talk about it, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, ages ago. Ages ago, yeah, but it was re- it was a great interview. He's, yeah. he, he's quite uh, he's illuminating. Yeah, he's yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's out on Monday, and if you want to listen to that interview in a weird double bill, it's part of our hereditary episode. <laughs> 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 uh, so that's our sixteenth of June episode. Head back and uh, listen to that if you want to. Uh, and if you've got any thoughts on First Man or any other recent releases, uh, do let us know. You can email us at podcast at curzon uh, We'll read those out on next week's show, or you can tweet us at Curzon Cinemas and if you've enjoyed this show and you'd want to hear more you can subscribe uh, you can do that on iTunes or Acast or wherever you might get your pods uh, leave us a review or a comment as well um, next week we're going to be talking about Dogman what's that one Sam? Dogman Dogman is a Mete Garona's latest pseudo gangster flick yeah uh, 
very exciting. Mm-hmm. We've we have an interview of Matteo Garona. Mm. Uh, this is the chap that directed Tale of Tales. The Tale of Tales and mm. Gamora. Yeah. So very excited about that one. The film version of Gamora. He did the film mm. version. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to get that one. Which has there. a moment in it that I've never forgotten about. <laughs> well, I won't watch it. It's notoriously violent, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, this is very much him going back to how he made his name. Yeah, so I, I kind of expected after Tale of Tales that he might go further. He did this weird fantasy anthology film yeah. and come back to Italian gangsters. Yeah. yeah. Mm. All right. Um, so that, that's about it. If you want to keep in touch uh, with all the gang around the table, you can follow Kelly at KS underscore pal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam, you are at Sam Hallett underscore one. I am. Uh, Kobe, you are at Kobe Star with two R's. Kobe Star with two, yeah, two R's at the end. Yes, uh, and you can follow me at Jake H Cunningham. But we're not the only podcast out there. Kobe, tell us about yours. So yeah, I've got two pop culture podcasts. Uh, one being Flix Watcher, where we get other podcasters on. Jake has used to come on, and when I first met Kelly a few weeks ago, we said you need to come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So please do come on. Uh, invite other podcasters on, and they pick the films from Netflix, and we talk about them and then rate them using our random scoring system and also um the wire stripped where mm. myself and dave corkery formerly of this of yep. this podcast uh, the incredibles 2 episode i believe yes. it was yeah um we took, go through each episode of the wire one by one and includes interviews from cast and fans and yeah. experts and stuff so like you, that and you recently had clark peters on who yeah joined, he joined our three billboards he did one, and yeah. that yeah. is he is so cool he's he? he's the best person in the entire <laughs> world honestly <laughs> love him <laughs> yeah, um, I, I do love that interview. The man just speaks in proverbs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's about it. Um, goodbye from Kelly. Bye-bye. Bye-bye from Sam. Goodbye. Bye from Kobe. Bye. Bye from me. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.